Good morning, Zion. Thank you for having me today. Uh, it's really, it's a privilege to be able to speak in front of you. Um, many of you may recognize me as one of Jay's trusty piano players, uh, or perhaps as the band member that never wears shoes. Uh, but for those who don't know me, my name is Jacob Drossi, and I am the favorite child of Joe and Gina Drossi. <laughs> don't, don't tell my siblings that. Uh, I am 18 years old, and... I was homeschooled by my mother until the age of 16 when I started attending Jamestown Community College. I've played tennis, hockey, uh, and piano for most of my life since I was very young, and I've attended Zion with my family for the last 14 years, which I think is the thing that I'm going to miss most later this month when I go to school at Concordia University Ann Arbor in Michigan to play hockey and tennis, as well as continue studying music and ministry. When Pastor Rick approached me about giving a message this summer, he told me that I should share a bit about myself and my story. And I wasn't too thrilled to hear that. <laughs> Whenever I talk about myself in a testimony-esque way, I feel like a broken record. You could Google generic youth ministry, a, a testimony, and pretty much copy and paste what I'm about to say, and with little differences. I feel like, it, it basically sounds like this. I grew up in the church, I attended youth camps, I attended retreats, I got confirmed, I didn't really understand what a lot of it meant. But now, after spending time in church, I have a better understanding of my faith, and I plan on sharing with people going forward. That's, that's what they all sound like. That's what mine sounds like. I, I never had a life-changing experience that would make the news. I never lost my faith or renounced God. I never had an epiphany that just opened my eyes. So I used to believe that my story was boring, and no one wanted to hear it. I, was, I always felt like one of the 99 sheep that the shepherd would leave behind. Over the years, I've come to realize something recently, something very important, that the shepherd didn't leave 99 sheep because they didn't matter or because that the one sheep was any more important than any of the 99. The shepherd loved them all equally. And without 99 boring testimonies, the one is just a story of a lost sheep. That being said, I do have a bit about my past to tell you about. Like I said before, my story is pretty cookie cutter. But 10 Christmas tree shaped cookies can all have different ingredients and toppings. Most of my youth in church was spent downstairs in Fellowship Hall learning about the big God story. I've always been a big reader. I love to read. So after Sunday schools, I would often open my Bible and read the full versions of the stories we learned about. And let me tell you something. It's a good thing they don't tell you downstairs what David did after he knocked on Goliath <laughs> or explain in great detail the plagues of Egypt. But what elementary-aged me got from reading the Old Testament stories, other than queasy, was curiosity and intrigue. 
I think that's part of the reason I fell into the path that I'm on now. I attend Mission Meadows nearly every year of eligibility and sometimes twice a summer. I was always intent on hearing what the speakers had to say. I tried to consume as much information and as many Bible stories as I, as I possibly could. Even Pastor Rick was able to keep my attention during sermons, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I believe that this craving for the Word of God, don't tell him I said that. Um, I love hearing the Word of God. I believe this craving was, especially at a young age, elementary age, middle school age, enabled me to experience and communicate with God uniquely. But I don't think I was aware of that until fairly recently. At the beginning of my freshman year of high school, I attended a retreat at Mission Meadows called Footsteps. Some of you may be familiar with Footsteps, but for those who aren't, it is a student-led Christian retreat weekend for high schoolers uh, that is held at Mission Meadows every November and March, or April, depending on the weather. But what really makes Footsteps unique is that, so you go through the weekend, the first time is a candidate, or like a camper, and the team, or the staff, is, who runs the weekend, is made up of high school kids. There are adults involved, but it's, it's truly a youth-led weekend. So after you go through as a candidate, um, the next Footsteps weekend, six months later, you can apply to be part of the team that runs the weekend. I attended as a candidate in the fall of my freshman year, which is the earliest you can go, and was on the team in the spring. And that's when I had my first sermon-like experience. Uh, throughout the weekend, the team members give talks to the candidates, which are basically abbreviated sermons about predetermined topics, about like uh, spirituality, reality, faith, lack of faith, friends, family, Jesus Christ, stuff just like that, things like that. And so I gave a talk that weekend. I had just turned 15 a few months prior. And it in the summer, I was asked to be in the next in line for the rector position of Footsteps, which is the leader of the weekend. And it takes two weekends, or a year, two Footsteps weekends, to train to become the rector, in which time you're like a shadow of the rector. And those two weekends, you give some talk, you also give talks to the candidates. So I gave talks about, throughout that year, about piety and Jesus Christ which are not easy things to explain to high schoolers in 12 minutes. But I had gotten a taste of giving sermons, and I didn't really mind it. So in my weekend as the rector rolled around, I had been 17 years old for just one week, which made me the youngest rector in Footsteps history. That weekend is when I really leaned into telling people about God, and it's part of the reason I plan on studying ministry in college. Without a, a turning point like that, I doubt I'd be standing in front of you today. But since I am, let's get started. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk ab about an aspect of Christianity that is both crucial and, dare I say, lacking. Lacking in our world, country, our community, our church, and in each of us.
That's prayer. Let me ask you a question. I look at, let me ask you a question. What is prayer? Conversation with God, absolutely. Prayer, so I gave this, I gave a talk a few months ago at youth group, at a youth group similar to this, and I asked the kids at youth group, younger kids, what is prayer? And a lot of the answers I got were it was talking to God, it was speaking to God, and it is, it can be. Then the youngest girl there, barely sixth grade, she, I could barely even see her without a microscope, she said to me, prayer is talking with God. Prayer isn't just, prayer is communication. It's a way to connect with God. It's more than just talking to God, and it's more than just talking at God. It's speaking with God. It's a communication with God. And communication goes both ways. There are many ways for us to communicate and connect with God, but Jesus actually told us how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9 through 15, Jesus said, pray like this. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Those are very familiar words to many of us. But words heard a thousand times can often lose their meaning. So I want to break this down. Jesus says, pray like this. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He opens his prayer with an awe of God, admiring God, saying, God, you are in heaven. He opens his prayer by saying, God, look, you're in heaven. We, we have to understand that. We're praying to the creator of God. We are in awe. We're in admiration of God. He, Jesus opens his prayer by recognizing God's sovereignty, even his name. Hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. God's name is holy to us. The next, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is kind of like a, a continuation of the first petition. Jesus says that the, that the kingdom and the will of the Lord is on earth, is coming to earth. It's interesting that he says this as a statement. There's not a question mark. There's not a will it or can it please. It, he says, thy will be done. It, it will be done. God's will will be done on earth. It's done in heaven. It's going to be done on earth. We often pray to God. We often pray, say, Holy Spirit, come in this place. We often say, God, let your presence be felt here. Or, God, let your will influence. We say, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, God's will, God's, the Holy Spirit is on earth. Next, um, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this one looks easy. We depend on God for everything. 
in prayer, we often ask God to help us with things. We help us with friends, family, our work, our school, anything. But our daily bread is not simply food. God gives us everything we have, and he gives it to us every day. I once heard it said, if you woke up tomorrow with only the things that you thanked God for today, what would you have? You can take that as literally, figuratively, general or specific as, as you would. I mean, do we have to thank God for our shoelaces? Probably not. But we thank God that we have the ability to be here today. If we don't say, God, you give us the, the ability to be in this congregation, what if tomorrow we don't have the ability to be in this congregation? What if you say, God, you've given me my family, you've given me my spouse, you've given me my children, you thank God for those things, because tomorrow, if you don't do that today, you don't have them. I think it's a way to really put into perspective what we have has been given to us. Next, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, this one's tough. We, we're supposed to tell God, God knows, but we're supposed to tell God what we've done wrong. We admit our mistakes. It's hard enough to admit our mistakes and then to admit our mistakes and then say, look, I need forgiveness for this. That's difficult. It's humble. But as we forgive those, as we forgive those who sin against us, God forgives us just like we are called to forgive we, we know, we read, and we understand God's mercy will be given to us, but we're called to give that mercy to people who sin against us. Everyone deserves that mercy, and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Next, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think this is the most overlooked part of the Lord's Prayer. We're asking God to keep us away from temptations, and evil, that's a, that's a strong word. We use that word sparingly, evil, evil things. There are many things in life that we are tempted by, and a lot of them don't look evil, but can tear us away from God all the same. Each of us has temptations in different, in different aspects of life, whether it be in a, a certain situation, certain people, a job, a place. We all have temptations. We can, God says... Jesus says to God, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Take us from evil. There's so much evil that we need, we say, God, look, this is something in every day of my life. I'm going into this evil. Deliver me from this. Again, it's, it's not easy to do, to, to recognize what parts of each of our lives can be evil. And lastly, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus circles back to the top. He goes, he starts, God, you're holy, his sovereignty, your name. Then he goes through all these human needs. And this is how Jesus is telling us to pray. God is holy. Here are all this stuff that we struggle with because we're humans. God's holy. He's the beginning and the end. 
it's important to know that when we pray in each of our lives every day, whenever we pray, we don't have to follow this like a script. When we pray, we don't have to go through all these sections. And certainly, we don't have to do it in order. But these are themes. Jesus says, pray like this. Pray, give us, pray asking God for daily bread. What in our lives is that says, if that means praying to have God, say, God, look, give me the strength to blank. God, give me the resources to blank. In our lives, we pray for daily bread. So Jesus is saying, pray like this. These are themes. Anytime we admire God during prayer, anytime we say, Heavenly Father, we're admiring God, we're saying, you're heavenly. We're following the theme of the Lord's Prayer. Anytime you ask for forgiveness in prayer, you're following the theme of the Lord's Prayer. It's a template. Jesus says, pray like this. This is a template for us to pray. But we don't want to pray like a grocery list. We don't want to just pray checking things off. Heavenly Father, help me with my job today. Check. Um, Oh, my family. Check. When we, okay. If you call your friend, imagine this. You call your friend on the phone. Call your friend. And they answer the phone. And before they can even say hello, you start asking for help with, you start telling them about things. You say, they, say, they answer the phone. They can't even say hello. You just, and you go into this, you say, oh my gosh, look at this look at stuff about my school, stuff about my job, stuff. Just you start talking about your friends. You just rant, 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 rant. And then, get this, you ask them for help with all these things. How can I, how, I need help with uh, my coworker. I need help with my relationship. I need, and just you go through all these. You rant, you ask for all this help. And then, before they can say a single word, you hang up. That's what prayer is like when we just talk at God and we just read a list at God. Prayer is too way communication. We have to be able to pray to God in different ways. Depending, everyone, each of us prays differently. But we, each ha- we have to be able to listen and hear God in different ways. Because with that phone call, I need, oh, there's, there's this coworker, and I think they're embezzling money. So, Communication, listening to God. I want to talk about some different ways to, to listen to God, to communicate with God. Let's play a little game. So I'm going to ask some questions, and every time one of them is true for you, um, you can hold up a finger. You don't have to hold on. Just count on your hands or count on your head. Um, for example, if I were to say, you're, if, are you at Zion Covenant Church? Everyone is at Zion Covenant Church. If I were to say, are you wearing glasses? Everyone with eyeglasses on. That's two. If you're wearing a red shirt. So, it's pretty easy. So raise a finger, keep, keep track. So if you play an instrument or sing. If you draw or paint. If you cook or bake. If you knit or sew or crochet. If you journal or write, 
if you play a sport, if you exercise or go for runs, if you like to read, if you like to tan or be outside or in nature, if you go for walks or hikes, if you have children, siblings, or a spouse. Many of us are going to have several fingers up here. All of these things are ways for us to communicate and connect with God. Let me give you a few examples. If you're doing something quiet and common, when we, when we journal, write, knit, read, paint, I don't paint. <laughs> don't want me to paint. Um, do something quiet and calm where we're in a, a circle or an essence of just... There's silent time there. There's time for us to listen to God through what we're doing, talk to God maybe in different ways than in our busy and rushed daily life. God likes to speak to us through nuanced, different, little different ways. So I'm a big reader, and last year I was reading a fantasy novel. And in the book, the hero learned a lesson about treating people well who he didn't connect, didn't really understand, didn't know, and didn't even like. And later that day, I was at hockey practice, and one of my teammates, whom I never really got along with, was having some family issues and wasn't doing well at practice. Normally, I would have just focused on doing my own thing. But I thought it couldn't have been an accident that I had just read in a fantasy novel about a situation very similar to that. Someone struggling, but you don't really like them, you don't really know them. So I'm like, that can't be an accident. So I reach out and I try to help them in any way I could. That's how I, one of the ways I listen to God is through reading. Artists, maybe the, what they're painting on a picture. God sending a message. God likes to speak to us through each of the things that we like to do because no one wants to hear God when you're angry or when you're upset or when you're, when you're annoyed with something. But when we're calm and we're doing something that we can have a peace of mind, God's message can be right in front of us sometimes. When we create something like food, art, music, we can take a second to first thank God, so God, I, for the ability to have this, for the resources to be able to, to do this. That's one way to always connect to God, is recognizing what he's given us. But to listen to God, when we cook, we are enabling God's children, including ourselves, to eat and be healthy and be happy, depending on what you cook. And we're enabling God's children to be, we're saying, God, look, these are your children, and I'm connecting with you, listening to you through these people whom I'm feeding. When we make music or art, we say, God, these are your children, and I'm going to listen to what they have to say, which is, I know is coming from you based on my music, based on my art. We create things. We bring them, we bring God's children happiness, joy, comfort, 
through our creations. We can hear God through those people. When we are outside or in nature, just like we heard in our porch time, everything that we see is a creation of God. We see, I mean, not saying you have to go put little insects up to your eyes, because, but everything we see, every flower, every animal, everything we see, God's created. When we are outside, we can take a step back and connect to God through these creations. We are truly blessed to be surrounded by beauty that the creator of beauty created. When we exercise or play sports, we appreciate, God, you've given me the physical, mental ability and willingness to do something that I enjoy and I can keep myself healthy with. We, if we have a, a spouse or children or siblings or close friends, through them we can connect with God through prayer accountability, through just simply conversation, we can hear God in many, many different ways. I, I told you a little bit about my reading, how I listen to God sometimes. But I communicate with God, I think, mostly in my conventional prayer life is almost non-existent. I dare say my prayer is mainly through music. I play piano a few hours each day, and I often hear the Holy Spirit and, and better understand when I'm playing piano. One time, I was playing piano. I was practicing my song for a recital. It was like a week before the recital, and I was really focused on my music, and I was the only person home. And... I was really focused on this song, and when I'm focused on a song on the piano, not much can distract me. But I was really focused on this song, and the, I hear the, this name, or I think I heard it, I think it was audible. I'm like, Cats, did you say that? I think it was audible. This name of an old friend I hadn't thought of in months. Never, never even a thought hadn't crossed my mind about them in months. I just hear their name, and I'm stop playing. I'm like, I thought I was home alone. I still think I was. I, so I hear this name, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I understand. So I take out my phone, and I text them, and just reach out to them. And it turns out that their best friend had just been in a, an accident, and was in the hospital, and was really struggling. And my friend really wasn't doing well. So... I prayed for them and tried to comfort them. And a few days later, they reached out to me and said that their friend in the hospital was recovering. I don't think I would have been enabled to pray for that person if I wasn't trying to listen to God through my hobbies, playing piano. God wants to talk to us. God wants a relationship with us. And our hobbies, our day-to-day -day activities, are a great way to hear God. There are a few other simple ways to pray that anyone can do. Um, one of them is a trigger prayer, which many of you may have heard of. It basically means whenever we see something or someone 
that needs any kind of prayer, we can pray for them. It triggers us to pray for them. For example, if we see someone struggling financially, if we hear about a car crash, if someone has family issues or someone has a big event coming up, we can just be triggered to pray for them. Another kind, which is, is called image prayer, which is basically trigger prayer, but through images. So if you are, for example, scrolling through social media or reading the newspaper, driving down a highway, a bulletin or a billboard, and you see an image, we can, you're scrolling through social media and you see, you're on Facebook and you see someone's picture, the image alone can call you, can be calling to you and saying, this person needs a prayer. It do, you don't know their situation, maybe you haven't heard from them in five years, but you can be triggered to pray. Anything can be a trigger. The last kind of prayer I want to talk about is my favorite, and we are actually going to do it now. Uh, we've done it here before. It's called a popcorn prayer. We're going to do it in two sections. Um, one of admiration and thanksgiving, and one of petition and request. And how it's going to go is it's straightforward, real easy. I will open in prayer and give a, a brief statement of adoration or thanksgiving, and then anyone can pop in and give a brief prayer. It can be as brief as a single word, a situation, a name doesn't have to be specific, just something. If we're praying for adoration or thanksgiving, I could thank God for my socks, and you can thank God for your family, whatever. That's, it's as, as vague or as general or as specific as we're called to, to, to be. Then, after that, we'll move into a time of prayer of petition and list, lifting things to God, and it's going to be the same structure. I'll open and then leave it in, open for anyone to pop in with a prayer of request. So please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, hear our words of adoration and thanksgiving. God, you are good. I thank you for this congregation.